this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The fact of the matter is this. The Bible tells us that the problem is in the heart. The problem's not in the environment. The problem's not in a lack of education. The problem is not because of poverty and all of those things. Certainly those things make some some contribution. But it's very minimal compared to what the real issue is. The real issue is the heart of man. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapter 4 in a message titled, The Spread of Sin and Death. Now, here's Pastor Brian. As we come to the fourth chapter, the first man and woman have been expelled from their original home in the Garden of Eden. Their fellowship with God, their creator, has been severely restricted. Their bodies as well as all of the rest of creation, have been infected by a powerful, destructive, evil force called sin. And that destructive force is now going to begin to manifest itself in the human family. And so we read, now Adam knew his wife Eve, And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Cain was evidently the first uh, person born. And Eve thought that he was the fulfillment of the promise. You remember God had declared in pronouncing his judgment on the serpent that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And it seems that Eve thought that her firstborn son was going to be the one to fulfill that prophecy. But tragically, as we will see, Cain was not the one to fulfill the prophecy. He was actually the one who would follow more in the footsteps of the serpent who had originally deceived Eve. And so Cain is born, and then Abel then comes along, and we're told that he is a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, of course, many, many years have passed. We have the record of the birth of these two, 
and now we find them in adulthood. And I don't know that Abel was born second. There were probably other children that were born, and we're going to see that in a few minutes. But we've now moved ahead without any details of their youth or, you know, of their growth or development, and now now we find them as grown men. And they are offering, an offering to the Lord. And we read that God did not receive Cain's offering, but he did receive Abel's offering. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're actually told why it was that God received Abel's and he did not receive Cain's offering. And there we are told that it was by faith that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice to God than Cain. And so really the distinguishing element there in their offerings was faith. Abel offered an offering in faith where Cain did not do that. Now, it couldn't be that Cain had no faith in the existence of God. He certainly did believe in God's existence, and he comes before the Lord in some way with this offering. His faith lacked not in the existence of God, but in the ways of God. You know, it's possible, and there are many people in the world today who believe in God. They believe in a supreme being. They, they believe in a divine creator. They, they believe that there is a God. They're not atheists. They're not agnostic. They're theists. They believe that there is a God. But they do not believe in the ways of God. And they assume, like Cain assumed, that you can approach God in just any old way that you decide. They do not adhere to the idea that God is the one who establishes the basis by which we approach him. And those people today are, in many ways, the the descendants of Cain, at least in this sense. As you look more closely at this, it's really, again, that distinction that's made between a religion that's based upon a sacrificial atonement or a religion that is based on uh, the works of men's hands. And this attitude that Cain had, this attitude of feeling that he didn't need to necessarily conform to God's way of offering, the idea that he could come and approach God in any way that he felt was right. This is, you know, that that distinction that we find to this very day, the distinction between those who believe that they can approach God through their own works, they can approach God through their own goodness or their own best efforts versus those who believe what the Bible says, you can only approach God through his prescribed method and you must approach him through an atoning sacrifice. And of course, 
that atoning sacrifice comes through Christ. Now, the rest of this story is absolutely fascinating. It's astounding to me the way Cain responds because he's responding to the Lord directly. And notice what happens. So Cain, God did not respect Cain's offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So, you know, here is a man who God, God rejects his sacrifice because it wasn't a sacrifice offered in faith. It wasn't a, a, a sacrifice that God had prescribed. And Cain's response to God is one of anger. He's angry with God for not accepting his sacrifice. And the, the idea of his countenance falling, you know, it's just written all over his face. He is upset. He's upset with God. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is to rule over you, but you should rule over it. So God doesn't receive Cain's sacrifice. Notice here, we have Cain's reaction, we have God's response, and then we have Cain's resolve. Cain is angry. But notice how gracious and merciful God is, even in, in the face of this angry man. God doesn't immediately condemn Cain. He doesn't immediately dismiss him or, or cast him out of his sight. God graciously and mercifully takes the time to explain to Cain that he can make an acceptable offering. And it's interesting to me here how God, you know, is reasoning with him. He's letting him know that, you know, we can fix this. It doesn't have to be this way. And of course, again, we see a picture of, of God's dealings with us. You remember speaking to the prophet Isaiah, the Lord said, come and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Come, let us reason together. And God, rather than hastily judging, he is he's full of compassion. He's patient with our failures. He's ready to give us another opportunity. God is patient. He's merciful. He's gracious. And we see it so clearly here with Cain. He's upset. He's angry. He's mad. And yet God, so patiently, saying to him, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? So God is basically telling Cain, look, there's a way to get this thing righted. And he says to him, if you do not do well, 
Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God tells him, look, we can get this sorted out, but God also warns him. He's at a a crossroads, so to speak. He's at this critical moment where sin is looking to dominate his life. But God says to Cain, he says, but but you should rule over it. So God gives him another opportunity. He gives him counsel on how to have victory over this animosity that he has toward God and toward his brother. But look at Cain's resolve. Astounding. Now, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Now, John, in his first epistle, he writes about Cain. And he says this, he said, Cain was of the wicked one, and he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So here we see sin in the heart of Cain. We see it manifesting itself in this jealousy, in this hatred that leads him to take the life of his brother, that leads him to murder. Now, notice what John said. Cain was of that wicked one. He was of the wicked one. Remember what Jesus said regarding Satan? He said he is a murderer. He is a liar. Two characteristics of the devil that Jesus pointed out there in John chapter 8 are that he is a liar. His natural tongue is, is deceitful. When he speaks a lie, he's speaking from his very own resource. That's his nature. It's a nature of deceit. He's a liar. He's also a murderer. Wherever you find murder, you find Satan actively at work behind that. And we see it here very clearly with Cain. He murders his brother. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear, or my punishment is greater than I deserve. So look at the, the hardness of this man's heart. Now, Here's the point that I want to impress on you. We have a tendency in our psychologized culture to think of sinners 
as sort of innocent victims. Or we think that, you know, people are bad or they're evil because of, you know, well, it's the environment that they grew up in. They didn't really have a chance, you know, and that's why they've turned out the way that they've turned out. Look, here we have a man who grows up in probably the most perfect environment you could have had with the exception of the, the garden before the fall. He's living in the world at a stage where the corruption of sin has not really advanced much at all. And so he's living under, environmentally speaking, ideal circumstances. There's a relatively small population on the earth and all of them are related to one another. And so it's not because of you know, a population problem that he might have had difficulties. He's got godly parents, parents who love God and have tried to instill within him the, the right things from his youth. So he's got all of those advantages, but notice what he also has. He has a, a hostile, rebellious heart against God. And you see, the, the fact of the matter is this. The Bible tells us that the problem is in the heart. The problem's not in the environment. The problem's not in a lack of education. The problem is not because of poverty and all of those things. Certainly those things make some, some contribution. But it's very minimal compared to what the real issue is. The real issue is the heart of man. And and we see it here with Cain. Here is a man who just has a heart that is set against God. He's angry with God. God graciously and mercifully extends an opportunity to him to get things right. He rejects God's counsel and he goes out and he murders his brother And when God comes to him and says, where's your brother? He says, I don't know. What are you asking me for? I'm not my brother's keeper. No conviction. And then when God pronounces a judgment on him that is actually somewhat of a gracious judgment because God doesn't demand his life, God allows him to live. But Cain now complains that the judgment of God is too severe toward him. Oh, this is amazing. But I bring this up because I think that a lot of times we forget, we forget that we're dealing with sin and we're dealing with wickedness and we're dealing with hard hearts, hearts that are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And, and you know, sometimes I think it's, it's hard for us, especially after we've been saved for a while and you sort of forget about the way you might have been previously, it's kind of hard for us to imagine that somebody would just intentionally and knowingly set themselves like that against God. But listen, people do. Multitudes of people do. This is the, the condition of the human heart. It is, it's at a condition of enmity toward God. And we see that so clearly with Cain. And so even... Now, rather than repent, he is revolting against 
the judgment, the merciful judgment that God is bringing upon him. He says, surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. It's interesting about murderers. They have no problem taking somebody else's life, but they certainly don't want anyone to mess with theirs. You know, there's a big controversy and has been as to whether the death penalty is a deterrent to crime and particularly to murder. And we'll look at it right here. Cain has mercilessly murdered his brother, but now he's afraid for his life. He doesn't want anyone to touch him. But here again, the Lord, amazingly, and the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So the Lord prohibits anyone from killing Cain. Again, another extension of God's mercy toward him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Nod means wandering. So now Cain, as a part of his judgment, he becomes a wanderer. But he has also made this decision to go out from the presence of the Lord. Of course, Cain could have repented. He could have come to his senses. He could have asked God to forgive him and to have mercy. He could have taken responsibility, but he doesn't do that. Now, just a quick side note I want to touch on. Notice he's afraid that someone might kill him. God says, whoever kills Cain. The implication in these references is that there are a fair number of people on the earth. Now, how are we to understand that? You know, when you just read the account, you're tempted to think that it's just Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, and now Abel's been slain, and so they're back to just one child. But that's not the case. We're told in chapter 5, verse 4, that Adam had sons and daughters. You see, the Bible is not a history of the world, if you will. The Bible is a history of redemption. So the Bible doesn't give us information about all of the people that ever lived on the earth. The Bible has not even hinted to us at this point that there are other children that have been born to Adam and Eve, but there certainly have been because as we go on, verse 17 says, and Cain knew his wife, implying that at the time Cain was already married. Let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. 
I want to tell you about a really fun book that I stumbled across recently. It's by Andrew Wilson, and it's a book called God of All Things, subtitle, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World. And the cover of the book kind of says it all. There's a bird, there's a pig, there's a tree, there's a flower, there's a salt shaker, a loaf of bread, a fish, there's rain. And Andrew does an amazing job of just looking at all of these common things around us and seeing different aspects of who God is and what he's done through those things. So I used it for a devotional time. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend Andrew Wilson's God of All Things. Again, this month's resource is a book titled God of All Things, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World by Andrew Wilson. You can order the book God of All Things by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The God of All Things by Andrew Wilson, to help you discover God is in the everyday things of life. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.